Howdy folks, welcome to our podcast, American Cowboy in New Zealand. This is Ben Longwell with True West Horsemanship. We're glad you're here. Join us as we share stories and adventures and interview extraordinary men and women in the equine and ranching industries to gain insight into horsemanship and life itself. It is our mission to help people and their horses better understand one another and achieve together that which they cannot do individually. Thanks for riding along with us. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us, thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy our conversation today. I'd like to talk about some concepts in our horsemanship and the first thing I want to do is make sure that we all understand that horsemanship is not something that we just do. It's not a set of maneuvers, it's not a stick and string, it's not rope twirling or yielding the hindquarters. It's not a set of something that we're going to do with our horses as much as a way of being around horses that fits the horse. Horsemanship is everything. And so it's not discipline specific. It's not, certainly not a discipline in and of itself. It is all about the horse and our ability to communicate in ways that they understand, our ability to be around them in ways that fit the way they think and the way they look at life. In studying horses and horsemanship, I think it's important that we realize it's not so much what we're supposed to do at any given time, but the when, the timing of it, the how, and the why, the purpose, the reasoning behind what we're doing. And so I think those are the questions that we want to be asking. What is, is best informed by the questions of why, when, and how? So I want to talk today about response, reaction, and resistance. And uh, you could call them the three R's, I suppose. And I want to define those first of all. And then I want to look at some subtle differences that can sometimes cause us confusion or things that we miss in those three areas. So the way I define response in our horsemanship is, first of all, it's based in trust and understanding. All right. It results in the horse doing the right thing, that which we're asking them to do, but for the right reason. He understands, he trusts us, and he's willing. This is response. Trust then has to do with the emotional side of a horse, and understanding has to do with the mental side. So true response means that our horse needs to be okay mentally and emotionally. And I talk about the okayness of our horse. In other words, what's on the inside coming onto the outside, showing up outside, and not getting hung up on the physical side of things. Reaction can be defined or can be seen, first of all, physically through explosive or fractious movement and tension or brace in their body. You can see this if you train yourself to look for it. It can be very, very obvious sometimes and, and sometimes not so obvious, but you can train yourself to see this in their muzzle, face, their eye, jaw, pole, their tongue, tightness of the tongue, their top line, all the way down their spine, and even in their tail. 
you can see signs of tension, signs of brace in their body. This is a result of a lack of trust or and or understanding. They're not okay mentally and or emotionally. Reaction is, is mostly fear-based and it's more common with your flighty horse or the more sensitive type of horses are more prone to real obvious outward reactions. Resistance then is slightly different. It's an unwillingness or a lack of try based sometimes on deliberate opposition. It may sometimes involve an understanding there that they're just opposing, but I think more often it, it, it is, again, a lack of understanding, a lack of full understanding. And there's different areas how this can happen, but it can be a conditioned level of operation. In other words, a sluggishness in the feet or movement or heaviness in the halter or, or bridle, a, a lack of response could be resistance, but it's been conditioned in there. We've We've put that in there in the way that we've operated and allowed them to operate with our timing or the feel that we're offering them in what we're doing. Resistance, I think, is more common with the quiet horse. Now, each of these is, you know, they're each a big subject in their own right, but I want to zero in on the subtle ways that these three can be sometimes confused uh, as humans, how we get these confused or how we mistake one for the other. First of all, we, we must remember that we're not just interested in having the horse do something physically without thinking about it and being okay about thinking about it. In other words, we want them mentally and emotionally engaged, willing, processing, coming along with us on these things. There's times when something physical just needs to happen, right? And, and that might be a step in the process of where we're going towards more responsiveness. But at the end of the day, too often I see people that are uh, quite happy with just the physical outcomes and they're not realizing what's missing on the mental and emotional side of things. We want our horse thinking about it and okay about thinking it. As horsemen, we are constantly working on our own ability to read the horse and recognize what they're thinking or feeling. We want them to know that we value their thoughts, their opinions, their feelings. This ability that we're constantly working on will help our timing tremendously. It will help also help our horses build confidence in us as they recognize that we do care about them and their survival, which is their number one priority. Don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about letting them do whatever they want or becoming a doormat. I'm just talking about understanding what it is we're actually looking at and recognizing where the horse is coming from to try to set them up for the best success and ultimately then ourselves up for the best success together. So I often see reaction mistaken for response. When the horse does what he's being told, but his body language reveals he's lacking understanding or trust, sometimes both. And I'll give you an example. This is just one example, specifically where I've seen a person learn that they, you know, are supposed to yield that hindquarter 
from the circle on the ground, ask that horse to face up to them, okay? Now the horses may be reactive anyway. He's going around, he's tight, he's flying around him. You know, there's all different sorts of factors that might be in there. But in coming around to face up to them, it's obvious that he maybe was asked to do that, but the way he's doing it is with brace in his body, okay? Maybe he's being even evasive where he's taking one side away from us and he's obviously more comfortable with us out in front of him where he can see us with two eyes. Now there's benefits to asking a horse to do this and, and this is sort of, I could go right down a rabbit trail here because uh, it's one of those things that's very easily overdone or misused when people lack full understanding of everything we're trying to accomplish with, with our groundwork and our communication. But the yielding of the hindquarter when that horse is bracy and he whips around there a lot of people even will will you know ask their horse to really get snappy with that and they're basically encouraging reaction or a braciness in what that horse does and in the way he's doing it okay so this is where the person is looking for the horse to physically do that face up to them from the circle there and they don't recognize the elements of reaction the braciness or the explosiveness or fractiousness in his feet that uh, are a result of either their own poor feel about it or the horse's lack of understanding or trust around what's going on. We need to ask them to soften there. We need to ask them to get okay. We need to change up the way we're doing it, ask them to stop in different ways. And before we make it snappy, we need to make it right. Uh, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. And so that's just an example. Another place where we mistake these is resistance being mistaken for response. When the horse does what he's told, but there's no real try, there's not any effort, he's obviously not mentally engaged physically, that there's, there's that physical uh, representation of that. You can see that he's not mentally in, in the game. He's dragging his feet or he's heavy in your hand in the lead rope or the rein. A lot of folks, you know, if they like a quiet horse, one that's prone to this, this kind of resistance, they like things a little bit slow and a little bit step-by-step step and a little bit quiet. And they don't realize that the horse is not really engaged or trying his best, or is at best only really maybe responsive at a certain level or at a, at a certain point or up to a certain very basic level. I'll give you an example, and this is, this is one of the most basic, most foundational things that we can deal with with a horse uh, in, in an introductory phase, you know, young horses, halter training, early stages of getting them started, those sorts of things, and that's lateral flexion at the standstill. A lot of folks practice this, sometimes way too much, but with the idea that they're pulling the horse's head around to bend to the side, lateral, just even at the standstill and what you'll find is that horse will allow you to do that most of the time maybe and and he he puts that you know he allows you to put that bend in his body what's happening there is you're getting that physical outcome and a lot of people are quite happy with that but there is actually the potential for a lot more to go on there and so there's a number of things that we need to address. First of all, I want my horse thinking towards me there. I want those horses to engage with me mentally, to 
to check in with me mentally. So I'm actually going to ask them to think towards me. I want them responding to the direct feel, as I call it, of the halter or whatever tool I've got on their head there. I want to be able to ask for that flexion and, and have them respond there. But in, again, in response, trust and understanding, I want them engaging mentally there. I want them to bring their brain with their head is one way I put it quite often. So in other words, I want them looking towards me. I'd like them either to sniff my hand or, you know, have an ear towards me. Something that tells me there's, they're engaging with me. Their senses are engaging with me there. And so I'm, I'm looking for that mental connection. In addition, there's an element of emotional trust going on right there. Because when a horse is bent like that, when he's in an arc in his body like that, he's not immediately ready to flee. He's not in a position to be ready for flight immediately. And as you've probably noticed with a, a nervous horse or if they're in a situation or environment that they find challenging, they're going to find lateral flexion more challenging because it puts them in a vulnerable state. And so you're actually working on not only the mental focus and engagement, but also a certain amount of emotional trust to basically uh, respond to you there and yield themselves physically there they have to have some amount of trust or be building better trust in order to do that. So we need to be aware of these things. The way I put it is that the lightness that I think we're all probably really looking for in response to that lead rope, asking for that lateral flexion, the, the lightness is actually a result of the horse thinking what we'd like him to think there in the direction we'd like him to think and being okay with it. Otherwise, at best, if it's going to be light, you know, it may be just because he's a sensitive horse, but he's not going to be supple there. He's not going to maintain that or think about it for very long, if at all. He may be sensitive and he may come off of that pressure, but it might not be the same thing as truly being okay with it. So again, going back to that whole idea of response being mental and emotional okayness, he's thinking what we'd like him to think, and he's okay about thinking it. So... One more example I'd like to talk about, and this is something that's often dealt with on trail rides and in various settings, maybe when you're out working, if you, if you work horseback and stuff, in, the, in, in a real-life setting, when you're coming across a, a, a crick crossing or a muddy spot, a place where they don't really want to go across this, this obstacle. Uh, and say it's, say it's not that big of a crick, say they can actually jump across it and and it's not that wide. When this is done incorrectly, there's, there's two, two main ways. It can, be, it can go a lot of different ways, but there's two main ways I think that we could see this going. And you know, you see the person kicking and whipping and spurring and just pressure, 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 trying to get that horse to just get across. And in that process, they're trying to push them without really giving them enough time to think or release for thinking in the right direction. That's very, very key. So eventually the horse may blow across there, he may jump across. He does it without really thinking about, you know, what he's doing, the, what the process is, or getting better about, you know, getting his feet wet or sinking in the mud a little bit or, or whatever those elements are that might be bothering him. He's now across the obstacle and the person's happy because they're physically across the obstacle and they don't realize that they've missed an opportunity to not only get the horse better about those physical things like getting his feet wet or the mud, 
but actually to build a better working partnership where that horse knows that you care what he's thinking and what's bothering him and how you can actually help him build confidence, help him build a willingness that would actually pay off huge dividends in the future for both of you. Remember, it's not about the physical outcomes first. And that's what I said at the beginning. The other way that sometimes it can go that I think is incorrect is that the person is asking and in that process and they're trying to get that horse to go across, the horse is either becoming more and more willing to ignore all the cues regardless of maybe an increase in the intensity. And so that person's still doing everything they can, but this horse is, is not going to be bothered by that. And he actually would rather resist going forward and, and grow tolerance to those things that we really don't want them tolerant to. Or the person is sometimes then releasing, perhaps for a lack of conf from lack of confidence on their part, the person is releasing at the wrong times, you know, and is basically rewarding the horse's lack of try or lack of willingness to think in the right direction. At any rate, the horse is basically shutting down where he feels less and less motivated to think in the direction the person would like him to go. So this is sort of a, a resistance aspect of this situation and how that, how that can actually be built or conditioned. Again, it may be from a lack of understanding or a lack of that horse being okay to get his feet wet or sink in the mud or you know, get across that obstacle, but it turns into more of a, a, a resistance to what we're trying to communicate and it's based on that lack of understanding. The correct way really in this situation, along with many others, in a general sense, is taking things a step at a time. Build confidence, don't destroy it. Encourage that mental engagement. Try to get them to think what you'd like them to think and reward them for thinking that. Reward the slightest try, reward every try, and make the right thing easy and the wrong thing difficult, not impossible. You are not trying to make the wrong thing impossible there, okay? Too often, as humans, we try to go about making the wrong thing impossible. And this is another subject for another day. But in doing so, we inadvertently, at best, make the right thing hard. And so there's no good deal for our horses at that point. The right thing's hard, the wrong thing's nigh impossible, or at least we're trying to, and that opens up a whole nother can of worms. But basically, we need to make the wrong thing just difficult and really set it up so that they can find it and that they're thinking what it is we'd like them to think. And, and then we can get it, just get it better, just get it a little better and then leave it alone, right? These things don't have to be perfect as long as we're making progress. He's improved. You can go back to it later. You can go back to it another day. There will be another opportunity. Now, the three R's, response, reaction, and resistance. These are just some of my thoughts on this. This is not meant to be exhaustive, and it certainly doesn't cover all the situations or all the factors or all the possibilities. This is just some, of the, some thoughts that I had in regards to this. It came up in a clinic here a week or two ago. And I'd like to encourage you to get in touch with your comments or your thoughts, your experiences. So find a place to, to comment here uh, if you're listening or if you're watching this. And thanks for tuning in. Hope you found that helpful. We'll catch you down the road. 
Well, that's all from us today. Thank you for listening to American Cowboy in New Zealand. If you like this episode, please share and leave your five-star rating or review. Remember, you can find us on social media or our website, truewesthorsemanship.com.